0: Morning everyone, can you hear me? so I'll remember to hold my microphone proper. The
1: message, or the, the, the title that i given for this message, because I was required to give a title, is, Are You Where God Wants You, or Is God Where You Want Him? In the, in the scripture reading this morning we, from Isaiah, we spoke about the God of Israel, now Israel loosely means the power of God or God's power.
0: So the God of Israel is the God of God's power or the God of the power of God. So the, the, the title saying, you know, are you where God wants you
1: or is he where you want him? Do you want him for his miracles, for his power? Do you want him for what he can do for you or do you want him? because he is the God of the power. You want him because he's your father, because he loves you and cares for you. And he wants a relationship with us. And that's, that's the question I ask today. You know, Is God where you want, want him to be, or is he where you want him to be in his power? So I'm just going to share a journey by a man who became Israel. His name was Jacob. And Jacob started out, he was, uh, he was the, the son of Isaac, and he was a twin. There was him and Esau, and Esau was the firstborn. Uh, but Jacob grabbed hold of his heel and tried to, tried to get in front, but he didn't. So Jacob was the secondborn. But Jacob's name means deceiver or usurper. That's what his name means. Um. It's a bit like
0: we're called sinners because we are, but we get changed. So Jacob,
1: halfway through we know the story, he, he deceives, or well he doesn't deceive his brother, but his brother comes in from the fields and he's, he's hungry from hunting and needs a food, some food. And so Jacob offers him some food, but he says, I'll give you this food if you give me your birthright, if you let me be the firstborn, and so Esau, not respecting his birthright so much, says, "I'm hungry. I'm going to die. I better eat." So he takes that food and sells his birthright to his brother Jacob. And later on, Jacob is, um, his, his father Isaiah, um, sorry, Isaac is fading away and he's gone blind, um, and he's about to give a blessing to Esau, his oldest,
0: but he sneaks in, dresses up as Esau, and he tricks his father and steals
1: the blessing of the oldest son. Now, of course, Esau gets pretty angry, and he's going to kill him, so Jacob decides it's time to depart from here and run away so he takes off so he heads off now he's been told to go to to get a wife to go to his father's haran from where abraham came not to take a wife from amongst the people he's living with in israel the canaanites and so he heads off now the first night away he sits down to sleep and He draws up a stone to put his head on. They didn't have pillows in those days. They had stones. How lucky we are. (laughs) So, and he sleeps. And while he sleeps, he has a dream. And many of you know the dream. A ladder comes down from heaven and the angels. He sees the angels ascending and descending.
0: And then a voice from the top of the ladder speaks out, I am God. I'll put my glasses on. So. I am the Lord, the God of your
1: father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you, And your offspring, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So Jacob awakes from this dream. And he says, surely this is the place of the Lord. And I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place. There is none other, this is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Now you can see from here that Jacob didn't know God, even though God was the God of Isaac and of Abraham. He did not know him. But God has revealed himself in this dream and made a promise to him. And then Jacob makes a vow, and he says, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear, so that I return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I've set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that, I, that he gives to me, I will give him a tenth. So he's made a vow to God. It's like a deal. He's made a deal with God. If you do all this for me, you can be my God. So Jacob sets off from there and he heads off to, towards Haran to to look for a wife and he comes upon a, a well and he sees he sees Rachel out there watering her sheep and he takes a liking to her. So he saw, seeks out Laban, her father, and says, can I have Rachel as a wife? And Laban says, you work for me seven years, I'll give you as a wife. So he happily works seven years for his wife and then they, he, he asks Laban for his wife, and they have a ceremony, and and then he brings his wife into him. It's obviously dark and nighttime, and the next morning, when he wakes up, he finds out that it's her older sister Leah. So he has been he has been deceived. Even as he was a deceiver, he himself has been deceived, and so now he has the wife that he didn't want, but he still wants his first wife. So he says to uh, Laban. Um, you've tricked me, why have you done this? Can I have, have Leah? And he says, sure, you work another seven years and you can have Leah. So he, he gives him Leah as a wife, but then he has to work for seven years to pay for her. So and he has, they have children, and I don't, I don't want to go into the, the the trials and tribulations of their children, but after 14 years,
0: he has two wives, he has a, a family, has a few children, and he says to Laban, let us go from here, but Laban says, realizes that he's been blessed because, um, because Jacob was with him. And so he says, Stay here with me, I will give you everything, you know. I,
1: I will look after you, you can be my family, part of my family. But you know that Jacob has a destiny that doesn't hold him there. So he says, uh, you, you've provided everything, but why can't you let me provide for my own family? And so he makes an arrangement to, to take some of the sheep. He takes the lesser ones, the marked ones, the ones that are speckled and spotted, and he separates them off for himself, and then he separates a three-day's journey from the other flocks, so they don't get mixed up, and he can't be accused of stealing. And he goes through a process of of um, of, of breeding um, and breeding sheep that are speckled and spotted, so that they become his. And he sets up a he he, um, he, he puts it's basically, it's divination. He goes to the form of divination where he puts up rods that try to influence the sheep to bear the the offspring that he wants. And he prospers. And he ends up, after about six years, he has more than Laban has. He is, And Laban is starting to get a little bit upset. And his sons are starting to talk about Jacob stealing all our father's wealth. He's taken it away from us. So he decides that he'd better get out of there because, again, he needs to run away or he might come to some harm. So he takes off, gathers up his wives, family, his herds, and he leaves by night and departs. And he decides, well, at this time, just uh, just prior to his leaving, he had another dream, and God appeared in the dream to him, and spoke to him and he said to him you know when he was this was when he was breeding the sheep he said look up and see that all the male goats uh, mating with the flock are streaked speckled and spotted so they're all the same so it wasn't his divination that had caused the proliferation of his flocks but As God says, For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I have been with you. I have been prospering you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed a pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. So as I said, he gathers his flocks, he takes off, and he's heading back to meet with Esau. And he sends some people ahead to let Esau know that he's coming and they come back and say Esau's coming to meet you with 400 men. And of course Jacob's in fear of his life because last time he knew Esau was going to kill him and he's assuming that he hasn't changed. He's going to do the same. So he's heading back and so he, he lays up a plan. He's, he separates, his, he, he puts some flock forward as a, as a forward gift with some servants, and then he has a break, and then he has another flock with some more servants as another gift so that each one will, Esau will take and, and his heart will be changed and he will be more likely to be friendly to him. So, And then he separates his wife and his children and he puts them across on the other side of the river for protection in case Esau is going to kill them. And then it says, and he finds himself alone at night and a man comes and wrestles with him god comes and wrestles with him you know and god comes to wrestle with us doesn't he we have times when we wrestle with god there's no way that jacob can beat god though he wrestles god continues to wrestle with him and overnight and then he as it says he strikes him on the and and dislocates his hip just as a show that, you know, we know how mighty God is. He didn't want to harm him. He just wanted to show him that I am the God of power. And when we wrestle with God, God doesn't want to beat us. He wants us to surrender because that's when we surrender, we have victory. We have all that God has when we surrender. When we fight, we continue to fight and wrestle with him, he, he's, he is gracious towards us, but he won't destroy us. But it's in surrender
0: that we come to know him. So he uh, he's wrestling with God, and I better just turn my pages here. And and
1: so he says to them. He says in the morning, the man says, "Let me go, for I must go." <coughs> And the man asked him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Now we know what Jacob means, deceiver, usurper. In modern day terms, sinner. And God says, your name will no longer be Jacob.
0: Your name will no longer be sinner. Your name will be Israel. Your name will be Christian. Now Israel means... The power of God, or similar to that, the God of the power of God, or God's power. So he's now declaring that Jacob is now Israel, the power of God. And the next morning, he he he's limping. Obviously, he he rises and he goes uh, to meet with um, Esau, and Esau comes, and of course he's, he's friendly towards Jacob, and
1: he's, he's prospered, Esau has prospered, and done well, and he's pleased to be reunited with Jacob, because God has gone before and sorted that out. Just as God goes before us to sort out our problems, Jacob had a plan. He had, he had several. He had plan A, B, and C, set out there to overcome Esau. But God had gone before, and He had overcome. And when He came to the problem, the problem was no more. So they decide to part and uh, go their different ways. And Jacob now journeys off. To Shechem, he goes and settles down near Shechem and he, uh, he buys a bit of land off, off uh, and I think it's Nahor, the, the chief of Shechem and they settle down there and then an incident happens. They have a daughter called Dinah and she goes out to meet with the, the women of the town Shechem and while she's there, one of the princes whose name is Shechem takes a fancy to her and seduces her or rapes her. And then he, he he wants her as a wife. So he approaches Jacob and says, can I have her as a wife? But they find out that he's defiled her. And of course, they're very upset about this. Their, their um, honours has been um, broken. And so they set up a deal. They say to him, Okay, well, what we do if, if all the men of your village will become circumcised like
0: we are, then you can have her a, a wife. And so he, so
1: that, that, that goes ahead. They, they agree, they think this is a good deal because if we become united with, with Jacob and his family, we'll, we'll get all their flocks, we'll, we'll become a big nation. And so they circumcised and on the third day when the men are all suffering, two of Jacob's sons um, go in and kill them all with the sword and kill them all and take their wives and all the treasures and everything away, which is what was done in those days. You conquered a village, you took all the wealth, which was the women, the children and
0: livestock and, and gold and silver. They took it away. And then Jacob says, What have you done? You have
1: made our name a stink in this place. All the other tribes will gather together and they will destroy us because we are weak. And he says,
0: What have you done? And then God speaks to him and says, Go up to Bethel. You remember Bethel? And settle there. And build an altar there to God,
1: who appeared to you when you were fleeing from your brother Esau. So God says to him, Go back to Bethel. Go back to the first encounter you had with me. Go back to that place where you made a vow with me. And so Jacob says to his his tribe, This is what we have to do. We have to return back. To Bethel. But he said, we can't go back like we are, because, because in, in the condition that we're in, and so they, because they all have idols, and they have to give up their idols, take out their earrings, which are all idols, all the idols and, uh, that they have, and they have to, to throw them down, they bury them, and they return. They have to clean themselves so We're going back to Bethel, where we first met with God. We can't go back in the condition we're in now, so we've got to get rid of those things that are idols in our life, and so they dis disperse of all those idols, and they return back, and they go back to, to uh, to Bethel, and and Jacob says, gets here and he says, this shall no longer be called Bethel, but El Bethel, because we're not just coming back to the house of God, we want to come back to the God of the house of God. It is not enough just to, to um, have the power of God or the house of God. We need the God of the house of God or the God of the power of God.
0: So we have to return to that place of, of fellowship with God, of
1: relationship with God, not just the house. So he returns to that house and calls it El Bethel, the house of God. And this is this is just a part of his journey. But um, soon
0: after, like
1: after he's he's done this, God appears to him again,
0: and he says to him,
1: "Your name, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob. You shall be called Israel." But that's not the first time he told him. He told him earlier. But there was a journey, a process, and he still hadn't become Israel. He was still Jacob. So he said again to him, Your name shall no longer be Jacob, but you shall be Israel. And that is where Israel started, from Israel. So that's that's a bit of the story of of him and the changes that he needed to make, or, or that God needed to make with him. So
0: I just want to share a story with uh, A little journey of mine. When I was about 47, I was sitting in church, much like you people, sitting there, contented where I was, happy with everything. But then I just felt, I need to be doing more.
1: What do you want me to do, God? What can I do? Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? And so I, des- I decided to, um, having said this, uh, there was a camp, we had a, 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 in, this was in New Zealand, there was a camp called Arama, which is on Great Barrier Island, and so it's, it's on the outer of Auckland Harbour. And so I decided to go to a summer camp, which is a, like it's a week camp where, we have, where you have teaching and, and fellowship and just live together and, and learn together. So I decided to go there. So I went out there and um, one night I'm sitting on the beach. Now they, they don't have power out there so it's run on a generator. So at 10 o'clock the generators go off, it's dark. And when it's dark you can you can see stars. If you look up at the sky when it's dark there's an awful lot more stars than you see looking up from Brisbane. So I'm, lo- I'm just sitting on the beach now. I'm sitting on a little beach and it's like there's a... There's a ridge runs down there and a ridge runs down there and there's this big bay just in here and I'm standing in this bay just sitting there, just thinking, talking to God. Um, Then I just see a falling star, a star falls. I thought, oh, I haven't seen one of those for a long time. Oh, maybe God's trying to get my attention. I said, if you're trying to get my attention, do it again. So I'm sitting there, and then about probably five to ten minutes later, down this other ridge, I see a ball of fire. And the fireball came straight down that ridge. You could, I could see the flames coming off that ball. Straight down that ridge, and it disappeared. There was another little island at the end, and it disappeared behind it. But it was just it was so real. It was just a flaming ball of fire down that ridge. And so I said, you've got my attention now. <laughs> Nothing great happened after that. But he had my attention. And I was starting to, to look to what he was saying to me in the things in, in day-to-day life. What was he saying to me? Was he talking to me? What was he saying? And so I went back to Auckland and, and, and I just really felt him say, get involved with that group of men. And that was a group called Full Gospel Businessmen's Fellowship International. And a group of men that they gather, they gather together and have dinner together and share testimonies. That's, that's all they do. And so he said, get involved with them. So I thought, okay. So I went along to one of their meetings. And I went in and I uh, was a bit disappointed. that There was a bunch of old grey-haired men I was forty seven, remember. <laughs> I didn't realise I'd become one. But so there were a bunch of old grey haired men and I thought, I don't really want to be involved with them. And I said, But if that's what you want, I'll just do it. So I said, okay, I better join. So I joined up with them. And then a month later, because I I'd just joined a month later they're having a, a, a national seminar, which was just in Hamilton. I, I lived in Auckland, this was in Hamilton, it's about Eighty kilometers away, and so I thought it's a weekend seminar. I'll go to that. So I went along to that, and I was greatly blessed. Greatly blessed, you know. And and I was I was starting to to listen to what God had to say. And one of the things He said there at the end of the the meetings, they took up an offering to cover the cost, and you know it cost like ten thousand dollars to put on, and and they needed to raise that money by offering. That was it. So I figured out that if everybody put in an equal amount, it would be $76. So I put in 76 Now, I didn't actually have the $76 uh, to spare. I had it in the bank, but it was committed to other things. But I wrote out a cheque for $76 and put it in the in the offering, and it's good. And so I headed off home, and I was just trusting God because I was starting to to say, okay, God, you lead me. You know, Don't let me just just live by my wits, but let you lead me. So I was having to trust him. And then when I got home, it was the Sunday night, um, I got a call, a phone call from a joinery company. Uh, Well, it was a, a survey group working for a joinery company. And they said, would you like to come and be part of a survey, you and your wife, and we'll pay you $76 each. So I've already doubled my money, praise the Lord. <laughs> so God is good. And then the next day, a, uh, we, where, I, where my house was, it was a new area, and they had, had put cable TV in, it was an experimental thing, and it hadn't gone well, and so they were pulling it, they were cutting it, but they, they said, we we'll would give you a refund of $76. Right, so three times I was repaid. So God was starting to say, you know, trust me. Just when I'm speaking to you, move with me and trust me and I'll bring it to pass. So anyway, I come back from that and I'm feeling pretty good. And uh, next the, the, probably two weeks later, they said that, that this group I'd joined, uh, which was in East Auckland, they were having a committee meeting and they invited me along. Little old me, I'd been there a month. And so I went along to the meeting and I go along there and the president, the president of the group was resigning. And they asked me if I would become president. So from what God had been speaking to me and said, you get involved, I said, if God wants me to, that's what I'll do. So I said, yeah, you know, with fear and trembling because now here I am, I have no idea how this group functions. I have no idea what to do. But now I'm the president of this chapter and I have to run the meetings and and everything. So God just opened that door and it was an area of just growing where I was able to just trust God with each move, not knowing in my own strength that I could do it, but knowing that, God was able because he had asked me to do it. And so I just stepped forward in each thing, in, in, in speaking in seminars and uh, in different chapters and and helping the place to grow. And then after a, a year or so, they, uh, they wanted a regional director. Now he was in charge of... A whole region, which was sort of the top half of the North Island, and they put the people put me forward for that, and they said, "Oh, yeah, you should do it." I, I wasn't really that keen. I, where I was, I was, I was really learning and growing, and it was good, and but I wasn't sure, but whether I should or not, I prayed about it, and I wasn't clear as to whether I should be, accept that position or not, and so. They went to a vote, and they voted me in. And so I I took it. But I don't think it was where God wanted me to be. But the people wanted me there because I had been successful at what I was doing before, because the chapter I was running was successful, because God had been with me in it. But when I moved to that position, which God hadn't really told me to go to, but because the people had lifted me up and pushed me forward, I went,
0: and that was not. It was not the right place to be, and, and things went downhill. So
1: sometimes you've just got to learn to to go with God, even if it doesn't please the people. You know, because we can lift people up. We can lift each other up to a place that maybe not where God wants you. You know, there's nothing wrong with the position you're doing if God's with you in it. And you're successful in it. Let God promote you, don't let man promote you. So that's, these are the things that that we learn on our journey. And now I'm here. You know, and God has brought my wife and I, Wendy, to this church about four, five, four years ago. We were, we were sitting in a church, and again, I think we were probably becoming a bit... Um, not content with where we were and what God was doing. Well, I, that was for me anyway. I won't speak for my wife, but um, we, we wanted a change. We wanted something different because we wanted God to move in our lives. And sometimes you can get into a rut, you know, and you just go along because it's good and most things are all right. Nothing untoward happens, but you're not really being challenged. You're not growing. And you become discontent. And so we, by chance, found this church. Not that it was lost, but we found it. (laughs) And we came in and we really felt like this is where God wants us now. And so we've been here four years. And we have grown. God's given me opportunities here. He's given my wife opportunities. We've grown with the Lord um, for myself. I'm walking more closely with God now than I was. I can still get closer. (laughs) But that's the thing is that, you know, the more we seek out God, the more we've got to change. You know, and God wants us to be seekers of the God of Israel, not just Israel, not just the power of God, but the God of the power. You know, when when we know the God of the power, it's like the the story of the Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who were thrown into the burning furnace
0: and they said, we trust God, he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't, we still trust
1: God. And at the end of it, is that where our trust is or is our trust in the miracle or is our trust in the God of the miracle? You know, and we've got to learn to to put ourselves in God's hands and to trust Him. We don't need a plan A, B, or C in case He fails. We've got to be prepared to live in the failure that we get, if we get one. But we know that God never fails us. So we walk by faith. Okay.
0: Thank you. <laughs> now, just. Uh,